continue just putting your hand of blessing upon this church, Lord, and all that goes on here. Continue just helping us, Lord. Give us the strength we need. And just be with the people and just be with this church, Lord. For Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Okay, number 11, 691 and 692. We're going to go back to the book. <laughs> Obedience and praise and praising, all you little children. Thank you. 
Robert Wines has kidney stones and other health needs, so please pray for him. And don't forget about Pastor and his cancer operation on Thursday on the 14th. And the other health needs for various members. And uh, so protection from flu and colds, so because a lot of people are getting colds at the moment, and it's flu season. And we need some help with, with the church with some, some of the light maintenance. I guess that includes maybe some little touch up on paint and change light bulbs and filters and stuff. So we'll find out from Pastor for sure. And for next year, for 2022, we're going to need a new church treasurer. So if you're interested in wanting to help out as, as, a, as a church treasurer, please see me or Pastor or Cynthia. And we're put, we have to vote on that whenever whenever we do vote the voting, so we'll put your name for that. Also, there's no afternoon meal for today. I guess with all the families being gone, we just decided to go ahead and cancel that for today. Uh, Cynthia has some announcements to make about activities.
no more holdups on that because there's been a lot of stops and starts and I come to thinking, oh, please, I just get us to the finish line here. But the Lord's in control and he just keeps reminding me of that through this whole journey. I think, you know, it's, it's good for us when we go through things with strength and if you're walking with the Lord in his word, oh my goodness, um, it's not that I'm so strong, but God is so strong. He's, he is my strong tower. He's my strength. And every time he readjusts my attitude, my spirit, my, my way of thinking when I'm spending time in his word, every time I, it's, it's like magic, folks. I can't explain it, but God's word will do that. So this morning, I'm reading through the book of Philippians. It's one of my favorite books. And I get to Philippians 4, and I love this. I have this whole passage memorized. But I was looking at the word, nothing and everything. They're opposing words, right? Nothing and everything, the totally opposites. Nothing and everything. In verse 6, Philippians 4, 6 says, be careful or don't be anxious for nothing, no thing. But then it says, in everything, pray. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And I thought, wow, talk about the contrast there. It's just so good. And this is what I want you all to pray for me and pray for my husband. You know, because when you're anticipating something like this, it's, and it's, it's a pretty rough surgery. <laughs> so um, just pray that we will be careful for nothing. We will giving it to the Lord, and when those butterflies start to come, we say, Lord, it's in your hands. You're in control. And uh, you know that we will learn to pray about everything, and, and that peace of God, because it goes on to say, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, and that's what has been my secret formula here, is that God is keeping my heart and my mind, and he can do that for all of us, but please keep praying, because it's a, you know, it's a day-by-day -day struggle, or, or journey, I should say, so, you know, just pray that we will do that and that will glorify the Lord. Because, you know, when you're marking and go through things, sometimes it's easy just to just be in the flesh and, you know, and respond in the flesh and, and not give glory to God. And, and we're in an atmosphere now where we have to walk through doctors and, and helpers and nurses and all. And thinking, I want them to see Christ in us. I want them to say, wow, there's something different about those, that, those people. And, and if that's why we're here right then, it's, and, you know, God has a reason for this. I believe God is in control and he's allowed it. And even making my husband silent, but that his, his life will still speak volumes as we, and so pray for our, our two surgeons. And Oh, and this is the other praise. We've been praying, but I want to tell you another praise. God has been encouraging my heart so much as we were meeting with the one nurse about all the surgery coming up. She, this is like third time we've heard this about the surgeon we have. She says, you have got the best surgeon. I've been in the operating room with him and I want you to know he's very meticulous and he's very focused and he's professional. He's the best in what he does. You've got the best. We've heard that three times. And you know what? I know it's the Lord saying, it's okay. I've got this all lined up. And then I said, well, in our the uh, plastic surgeon that will be in there and he will do the surgery and the following. And, and I said, who this is? And she said, oh, he's the best too. And I know that he was the, he wasn't the and then we got the second one because of schedule conflicts. And they said, well, the nurse said, that was originally the one that he, your surgeon, wanted to work with. We wanted him. That was his first choice. Again, I'm saying, okay, Lord, see, you're just, he's showing me I'm in control. I've got this. I've got you. I've got your husband. So I am rejoicing. I want you to know that. I am rejoicing. How can I 
So I just want to share that verse with you. That's Philippians 4, 6. So you can pray that in 7. You know that we will not be anxious. We won't be concerned about everything. And we can say, God will keep our hearts and our minds. You know, because we're going to need that. I know I'm going to need that. So for God can do it. And um, I want to come back and tell you how he did it next week. So thank you so much for praying, for loving us the way that you all do, and, and being our family and not giving up on us. And um, that was my first thought going through. It's like, oh, man. We're done for. But you know what? God has, God has got this in control. And oh, and the other thing that my husband can't tell you, but we've already had pastors, the retired pastors, reach out to us, and they're going to be helping us. They said, we're available. We can come. We can fill pulpit. We'll be there. And whenever you need us. And I said, oh, wow. Uh, you know, so God is going to take care of our, our church family. I want you to know that so you don't wonder well, what's going to happen to us. You know, God also has all that in control. And so some wonderful people coming in. And even the one man, he told my husband, he says, I pray for you every Saturday night. He's like, I don't even know who this guy is, so I can't wait to meet him. I think he'll be here maybe next week, um, Pastor Hunt. So lots to praise the Lord for, lots to pray for, and I just thank you and love you all, and, and thank you for holding us up and encouraging us. As you might have noticed in the foyer, there's a sign there in the basket for you to put your cards in because this, this month is a Pastor Appreciation Month. And today we set aside a day just to praise Pastor for what he does. And there's a basket out there for cards and offerings if you want to give him something and to help out. And we were originally going to do it next month, next week, but he wasn't, he's not going to be here next week because of his surgery. So he tried contacting many of you to to let you know that it was moved up a week. And if, if we didn't contact you, please let me know. And I'll get your phone number from you so we can t t try to make sure you get contacted if anything like this happens, or so we can keep you in touch with what past, what's going on with Pastor throughout the week. So just see me if you then give me your phone number and I'll try to do my best to get hold of you and let you know all these things. Because I only have so many phone numbers which are in the, in the directory, so. Okay, let's go ahead and do our memory verse for this month. Psalm 119, 73. Say it through twice. Psalm 119, 73. Thy hands hath made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. Psalm 119, 73. Thy hands hath made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. Okay, I think that was all the announcements and everything. So the next, next song will be number 43. It's actually 23. Okay. 23. Okay, yeah. 43 is rejoicing. <laughs> 23. Worthy of worship. Go ahead and stand for this one.
Good morning. <clears throat> um, I was just saying that uh, that song, very well done. It's a very good song, and it reminded me of the time um, a little boy sang that at, uh, at Sunday school, and he came home, and his parents asked him you know, what he learned about in Sunday school, and he said, well, I learned the name of God. And they said, well, what is that? And he said, Andy. Because <laughs> he, he sings with Andy sings with me. But all right. 
Well, it's good to be here, and I'm thankful to be able to, to share again, share the good news um, uh, about Jesus. Our goal is to lift up the name of Jesus, exalt Jesus for who he is and what he has done for us. And um, today we're going to uh, take a look at something, and it's, uh, I'd like to emphasize the, um, the fact that we can live rejoicing knowing that we are eternally secure and we can live victoriously because of the greatness of Jesus uh, in a time when the world around us is decaying. Um, so we're going to be taking a look at someone who encouraged believers to contend for their faith in a culture that was following false teaching, what, uh, what to do about it, and then see how we can apply some of these principles to our life so that we can live victoriously also. So I would just like to open in prayer, and we'll go from there. Lord God, we do thank you for the opportunity to be here, to be able to worship you freely. Thank you, God, that you've given us your word to study, to read, to learn of you, to be drawn close to you. We thank you that um, when we put our trust in Jesus as our Savior, we know, God, that we can um, live rejoicing, knowing that we are in your hands, and that we can live securely knowing that. Again, we thank you for this opportunity to learn. I pray that I would share clearly and that you would speak through me as to what um, we need to hear this morning. And I give you thanks for that. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, So last week, we took a look at, um, at some of the signs we see as we um, travel down the road of life. This week, we're going to uh, pay attention to certain gauges that appear as we travel the road of life. And um, when you think of gauges, uh, what's their purpose? Um, I think they're to indicate what's going on, condition of whatever it is that it's monitoring, such as the temperature of something or a fluid level, uh, provide a warning that some form of action is needed, such as um, gas gauge, um, and give severe warning that imminent danger is just ahead, such as uh, a water gauge, temperature gauge that's overheating, uh, you had better pull over, because if you see steam out your mirror, um, that's a serious problem. So we want to pay attention. So. Uh, the epistle of Jude is what we're going to look at, and it is such a warning and a call to action for, for the early church. Jude wrote to command the believers to contend for the faith because of the false teaching that had begun to spread throughout the church. And he used examples from the past, he gave warnings from Jesus' apostles, and he gave specific instructions of what to do in order to persevere. Um, an underlying concept in the letter is the greatness of Jesus because we'll read it in just a minute, but we'll see that he began, he was going to share about something else, about the, their salvation, their common salvation, but then he was um, impressed by the Holy Spirit to share this urgent message. But the point is, and as he ends, and we'll see, it's just um, the greatness of Jesus to be able to maintain us through difficult times and eternal security that we don't have to 
give in to the false teaching that's around us. Um, so we're going to, um, to do that. Uh, so if we turn to Jude, the book of Jude is, um, in case you've lost it, it's um, just before, you know, turn to Revelation, one page before Revelation, and just after the third book of John. So, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unannounced who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But those people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walk in the way of Cain and abandon themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error, and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feast. As they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wind, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against them. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause the visions, worldly people, devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. 
To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. So, um, just real quick as I was preparing this and thinking this, um, I want to share something that whatever I share with you, please make sure it's biblical and that it's, if there's any question or doubt that anything I'm sharing is not from the Bible, please make a note of it, talk to me about it, because everything I try to do is directly from God's Word or based on it. Because as you read this and see the condemnation that the false teachers were under, they want to be in that camp. So we want to make sure that everything I share is right on what God word says. So just a quick little background, some things that um, were going on here. The author is believed to be, uh, says, the, you know, is the brother of James, which is also the half-brother of Jesus. And it was recorded in Acts that um, he had put his trust in Jesus after the, after the resurrection. And it was written at a time when Christianity was undergoing great persecution from Rome and being infiltrated by many um, apostates which are false teachers. And it was written after Peter's epistle. The other apostles were martyred except for John. And we'll see there a lot of, if we took the time to read 2 Peter chapter 2 and 3, it's very, very similar uh, material that's covered. Um, and also, um, it's the possibility that the same readers that read Peter's letters that went to so that's as to who's reading it. It's a, more of a Jewish audience, but it's believed to be that you know after Peter had sent out his letters, this was a reminder now from Jude to the same people, saying that you know what Peter prophesied about, as we'll see, um, that he says um, um, that these false teachers were coming. Jude is saying it's here, it's happening. Um, so be on guard, and we have to contend for the faith. And um, also, they were familiar with Paul's writing, because in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. Um, so there's, this is the people that, he, he, uh, that, re that received his letters. This letter. Also, um, I just want to make sure we understand the term apostate because it's very important that we understand that these are false teachers that deny the deity of Jesus. And it's not that they were a believer and they lost their salvation. That's a very important point in the book, the, this letter of Jude, that we are, we are eternally secure because of what Jesus has done and he keeps us there. And we'll see at the end as. Jesus will present the bride of Christ to the throne of the Father, and there's great joy in that. So this was a major point that um, making sure that we understand that they were not, they were not truly saved. Um, they had not been given the new nature. And we see that in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns 
wallow in the mire. So they never had received the um, divine nature. And Second Peter chapter 1, he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful desires. Um, so that, um, that's why, you know, Jude is, is writing this letter. This is all going around. The church is um, being infiltrated by all this false teaching. So this is where Jude is going with this to really encourage fellow believers to, um, to stand up and contend for the, contend for the faith. Um, and just, as a, just to reemphasize that, we're in verse 1, where it says, To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. We see what Jesus had said in John chapter 6, verse 37. It says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on that last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day. And I thank God for that. So, um, as we uh, move along, um, just want to uh, mention, to me, I see this letter as a, as a, as a warning. And... Um, that's why I'm kind of using the, the analogy. Um, if, if we're seeing that, that's, that's a major problem driving down the road if you get overheating. Um, we've got we've to pull off and do something you know, right away. And that, to me, is the urgency that um, Jude is, is sharing here. And the key verse for this is 3 and 4, where he says to... Um, where he's saying, you know, beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And then he goes on to explain, you know, these others that have infiltrated. Um, then he goes on to give um, um, examples of the apostates. But um, the word contend... Is, um, is a very strong word in that we get our English word to agonize. And um, Jude had used it in the context of like an um, athletic, uh, an athlete. He agonizes and strains and pushes himself um, very, very hard. And also with Paul, when he, um, he exhorts Timothy to fight the good fight of faith, it's the same, it's the same word. So it's, it's, um, Jude comes off as... Um, uh, at times very strong in that the examples that he gives throughout the Old Testament, bottom line is God was victorious over those that were um, trying to lead people astray, and they were judged for that. And he's encouraging the readers that that's what happens, that's what's going on now, but we can live victoriously over that, we don't have to submit to come to this false teaching. So that's kind of how I see where he's going. And he goes on to 
um, then begin to share a lot of examples. And we won't camp out there a lot or pull off to the road um, a lot on that, but um, I do want to mention a few just so that we see that um, there are several examples that those who turned from the truth and resisted God's authority and how God had um, you know, judged them. And in, chap- in verse four, 5, we see uh, he uses the example of Israel when God had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And then through their rebelliousness and their unbelief, they ended up wandering and dying off in the wilderness. Verse 6, he talks about fallen angels and those um, that rebelled against God's throne. Uh, And in verse 6, he talks about them that he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of that great day. And then also the example of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I think that's quite appropriate, you know, as a reminder for our day, that um, they were indulging in unnatural lusts and they were punished. And that is a... That's an example of, um, you know, that uh, eternal fire, he calls it. So we see that. And then also he goes on, verse 11, that's um, more examples of um, people with their haughty pride. Um, and he uses an example of the archangel Michael in conversation with Satan. Um, but also he goes on and, expl- you know, mentions Cain and um, this is, could be a study for another time. This is a, a good book it's, um, because if you take the time and look at each of the people that he mentions and study their life, um, and you'll know why that he you know, in, includes them in here. But real quickly, Cain, um, he kind of rebelled against God's way of salvation. We see that in um, um, Genesis 4 because God had told them to bring a sacrifice and Abel brought a blood sacrifice, and Cain did something his own way, um, which God did not accept. And with Balaam, when it talks about, um, you know, that they abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's era, and that's a very interesting story there um, as to what was going on, and Balaam was a prophet, but he wanted to... um, make some personal gain off of what he was going to share. And um, so for his, you know, for his actions, he was, um, you know, he was given a position as a prophet, but um, through being bribed or trying to get money for sharing some other news, you know, God held him accountable for that. And then Korah, um, and that's another one. Um, you see, um, Korah rebelled against God's authority, and he was, you know, a judge for that. That was a very important time in in the um, Israelite history. And then he goes on through verse twelve and thirteen. Um, a few more examples of hypocrisy, um, and it's examples of what these false teachers were proclaiming and and trying to push, but it really couldn't deliver on what they're saying because it was basically for selfish gains and rather dangerous um, for, for the early church. And that's why Jude is putting this out there and really um, wants them to be aware of that. 
um, the next section is kind of where I'd like to, you know, um, spend more time and just um, look at what Jude instructed, because this is what we can um, apply to our lives. So, uh, a few things, if, you know, if your gauge is showing empty, what are we going to do? And right now, you know, Jude was um, sharing something. We've got to take action. So what's that action going to be? And he goes and goes through some things. And verse 17, he talks about remembering. We must know God's word. Because what was Satan saying in Genesis 3? Did God really say and he puts that doubt in there. So it's very, very important that we study God's word. We read it consistently. We know what it says so that um, we can contend and not be, not be drifting away. Um, build up our faith. Okay, then he goes on to say, um, you know, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. And again... Studying God's word, obeying, as we sang earlier. It was interesting that song was there for the obedience. Uh, I had to spell it out for me so I keep seeing it. Um, but we need to obey God and trust him, what he's given us to do, and meet together with other believers as we're doing today to uphold each other. Um, and he says, you know, praying in the Holy Spirit. So we have to continue to um, grow in our prayer life, continue to pray for Pastor and Cynthia and all aspects of this local body and um, all the things going on in our country. So there's a, you know, a lot that he has here for us to, to learn. And, and he says, um, keep yourselves in the love of God. And that whole concept is abiding. And we look at um, John 15. Um, Jesus says um, that uh, in, in verse 4, you know, he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burn. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So we want to have that, that abiding and that's being in his word and fellowshipping with others, but abiding and in his word and communion and obeying what he's telling us to do. Um, in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 5, he says, But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So that's, that's you know, very important that he was encouraging them to do at this time. And also um, live a life expecting Jesus' return. This is, this is very important as I looked at this and, and was thinking on this. Um, 
waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And when we live expecting Jesus to return, it affects how we interact with people. Um, you know, I've already noticed things for myself during my week. It's, um, you know, if I'm going to blabber something to myself about other people that I encounter, I catch myself and I said, no, and that, you know, don't be going there. You know, so um, we really need to, you know, be focusing on growing closer to God as the day approaches. So, and um, Titus chapter 2, Paul says, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Um, and it, you know, motivates, as I was saying, it motivates us to live a pure life. He says in Philippians chapter three seventeen, this is Paul, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and the glory in their shame, with mindset on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Um, then he goes on and encourages us to show mercy, or his readers, to show mercy to others. Um, and reaching out to others that are already, you know, slipping away, you know. But um, he does add a word of caution there as far as um, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Um, and that, uh, you know, is that you have to be careful that we don't let ourselves get caught into whatever we're trying to help somebody out of that we don't get into that that sin and, and to approach that um, you know with um, very much a great caution um, and he uses the example of you know the garment stained by the flesh and that's a reference like back to Leviticus when if anyone was you know had leprosy or so they came in contact with someone or the, the garment um, that it was contaminated, and the Levitical law was that it really should be burned. Just, you know, so the contamination can't grow any further, and that's kind of what he is implying here, that we are to be very careful, you know, that you don't let yourself get caught up into it. Then he goes into um, the doxology. And doxology is, it means praise to God. And... Um, it's like Jude just breaks out in this praise to God for who he is and what he's done. Because as he was going through this, he, you know, he's looking at that and he's encouraging his readers as to how they can stay close to God and things they can do to resist falling in and giving in to the false teachers. And he breaks out into this, um, this praise to God. And then he just says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. And it reminded me of um, a doxology that Paul gave 
Um, and it really wasn't at the end of anything. He was just, it's in chapter 11 of Romans, and he was reflecting and talking about the salvation of Israel. And chapter 11, verse 28, he says, As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now, now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And then he goes on. But he just, it was like he was sharing that, reflecting on that, and then he just broke out into this um, praise to God for who he is and the great salvation that he's offered us. Um, so um, I just want to you know, share that as we you know, live a life of obedience, God is able to keep us from stumbling and going astray. And in the end, Jesus will have great joy in presenting his bride, the church, before God. And we see that in um, Ephesians 5, 27, where it says, So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I think that that focus there for the joy that was set before him is that point of bringing his bride unblemished for what he'd done because his blood wiped away and took away our sins that he has a people that will, you know, live eternally with him in heaven because of what he's done and that will bring great joy uh, to our Savior. So we see that um, Jude opens by assuring the readers they are eternally secure, you know, they're kept by God, and ends by reminding them they don't have to succumb to the misleading of the false teachers. And again, it's focusing on what Jesus has done, you know, for us, and God keeps us um, in his hands. So, again, just real quick, um, kind of like, all right, so that's the letter that he wrote. That's what he wrote to them, and he was encouraging them. So I say, so what? What does that matter? What, what's that to me? What am I supposed to do with it? And that question makes me ask other questions because as I study and read, I wanted to change my life, and I encourage that for you as well. So to the question of so what? So then we say, well, you know, we should be encouraged that we can live victoriously because we are kept by Jesus. So that's a, a takeaway that I have and encourage you as to reflect on that. Um, do I have a consistent reading time? Am I hiding God's word in my heart? You know, because one of the things he says is, 
you know, getting, getting to know God. Know the truth. Remember what you were told. Uh, remember what you learned. So we've got to be back in God's word. And is my faith growing? Now, again, if not, why not? Uh, what's hindering that? And what am I doing? What am I going to do about it? Right? If, our ga- if our gauge is uh, near empty, what are we going to do? We've got to take some kind of action. So how are we doing that? What are we doing? What is the condition of my prayer life? Is it any different from a week ago? Well, so we think on that because that was one of the things, you know, um, praying in the Holy Spirit. Um, am I truly abiding with Jesus? Is Jesus welcomed in all areas of my life? And if not, why not? What, what are we going to do? Well, how come? You know, so these are things that we can um, reflect on and pray that God will work on our hearts. And, you know, what evidence is there in my life that I'm living in a way that shows I'm expecting Jesus to return at any time? You know, that should be making a difference in our lives. Uh, how have I shown mercy to others and family members? Now, that one strike close to home, that I have to make sure that I'm being the husband and father I need to be. Um, so then, uh, are there those that we know that are sitting under false teaching, you know, why not invite him to come here? You know, so that's, um, if anyone's out there that's listening and, and not being taught the truth or uncertain, God's word is preached here every Sunday, so um, encourage people to, to come. Um, does your life exemplify a life filled with the true joy that comes from being at peace with God? So and those are just some uh, things to reflect on to think about. And... Uh, hopefully we can uh, remember this letter that it's short but you know Jude really encouraged them strongly contend for the faith and how we've got to do that today with what's going on in our culture but if we stay strong and build up each other um, God will take care of us and no matter what happens but we're to be the salt and light and share the good news people are going astray this was I see how Jude brought it to their attention and, you know, um, had them to, um, to stay strong and just reflecting on, you know, the praise we give to God um, because of what Jesus has done for us. We can um, live and not, you know, have to be in fear of giving in to um, false teaching and whatnot, but we got to know God's word. So I'd just like to, um, to close in prayer. Lord God, we do thank you for this uh, reminder. Thank you for Jude and how you used him to bring this, um, re- this message and alert, uh, this, um, this warning to contend for the faith and how we need to get in the game and, and get with it and get doing that even today. I pray for the strength to do that, and we thank, um, thank you that um, we do have the power to do that from the resurrection of Jesus that is in us as well. And we give you thanks for that. I pray for the rest of this week, especially for pastor and meeting with the doctors and the surgery on Thursday. I pray that that will go well. We look forward to hearing him back here and being able to hear him share your good news. We give you thanks for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if we would turn to... Um, Hymn number 13, we're going to um, close with that.
we stand where we and it's bow the knee